Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. In the Randall home, uh, we're country music people. We, of course, consider that an act of God's grace on our behalf. I know that's not necessarily the case for many of you this morning, uh, but yet there is hope for you still yet. Uh, Stephen Leiner, that includes you. Uh, But for the women in our family, the undisputed king of country music is an artist named uh, Thomas Rhett. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with him, maybe you're not. I have to admit, I probably wouldn't be if it weren't for the women in our home. Uh, But Thomas Rhett's uh, place in our family as the undisputed champion of country music is so preeminent that I've actually used him as an illustration in a sermon before. But the reality is, uh, he has a new song that was played for me this week uh, by the girls in my family. And uh, it's entitled, You Heard. And I have to admit, I cried a little bit the first time I heard it. It's actually a prayer based on Rhett's real-life journey of trusting Jesus. Uh, The song covers his personal struggle to wait upon the Lord. His personal journey of crying out to the Lord and wondering if there was anyone who was listening to him at all. It's a song about the pain that he experienced where it seemed as if there was no one listening to his prayers and the uncertainty that would come with that. The conclusion, though, of course, hence the name, is that he is now at a place in his life where, over time, he has actually seen how the Lord had orchestrated different events in his life. And the refrain is this ongoing, I'm pretty sure you heard. I'm pretty sure you heard. It doesn't mean that everything in his life happened the way he perhaps thought it might, but it does mean he's convinced in his heart that there is a God in heaven And that God did, in fact, hear his prayers. I'm pretty sure you heard. And I think for all of us this morning, there's an element in which we can relate to Thomas Rhett's song. uh, And and certainly his spirit of, is there anyone listening to me? When I cry aloud in pain, when I struggle, when I call out to you, is there anyone there? Is Jesus real? Is he listening? Is he paying any attention at all? Does he care? Does he remember? Or is all of this just in my head and my imagination? I think we can relate to that sentiment at times. And maybe for you this morning, for some of you, that you're dealing with this very question. Does God really know? Is he really there? Does he really care? And it's not an absence of all of your knowledge. 
For some of you this morning, you have grown up in the church. You've been to Sunday school a million times. You know the facts of the gospel over and over and over again. But today, do you truly believe that Jesus is going to accomplish everything he said he's going to accomplish, particularly so in your own life? Which chiefly is that God is our Father. And he has promised to shepherd us all of his days. And therefore, he has a plan for us that is good. Do you really believe that? If you look back in our passage, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, this section is a difficult section inside of a difficult chapter inside of the book of Hebrews. It deals with the subject of hope. Uh, but even more particularly, it deals with the subject of how confident is our hope. That is, how strong is our confidence in what God is going to do? If you read the entirety of the book of Hebrews, you'll see that it kind of reads almost like a courtroom drama of the writer of Hebrews making the case to those who are considering that Jesus is no longer worthy of trust. That the writer of Hebrews makes this case that, oh yes, he is. The whole book reads as if the case is being made that Jesus is worthy of following. That any life that does not exist upon him as the center of our life ultimately will result in a life of ongoing despair compared to a life built in faith upon Jesus and all that he will ultimately do. So here's my question for you this morning. How confident are you in God's direction in your life? How confident are you? You need to know that the first century Christians were not particularly confident at all. And that's why this book was written. The first century Christians were just about ready to jump ship and go back to their old way of life that did not involve Jesus and I want to make the case this morning that the writer begs us, implores us to see again why you can trust Jesus. I want to make two points this morning uh, from, from the passage I just read. First, I want us to remember our great heritage. Our great heritage. And then secondly, to look at our strong Savior. Our great heritage and our strong Savior. But before I get to point number one, I want to make an observation that stood out to me from this passage. If you want to look at it again, it's in verse 18. I could not get past this as I was preparing. It's the writer who said this. We who have fled for refuge. Do you know that's a good description for Christians of all times, of all places, including us this morning? You know who we really are? We are people who have fled to God for refuge. Refuge meaning, of course, a place of safety in light of a looming danger. So I hope you know this morning that if you consider yourself to be a Christian, this term, refugee, is a really good description of who you are. It's a really good and accurate description of our life. It's an assessment of what we're doing here this morning. See, here's what concerns me, and, I, and I'm preaching to myself. But what really bothers me in my own life, my family, in this church, in our city, 
is that I fear that we, we have escaped from the reality of what is true about the Christian faith. And that is our faith is based on the reality that when destruction comes for our sin, Jesus is going to be our Savior. The crux of our faith is that there's a looming destruction coming. And when it comes, we are safe because of what Jesus has done. That's the main thing. I fear, again, I'm I'm preaching to myself here, that in our journey with Jesus, with all the blessings that we enjoy, and he has blessed us richly, I fear that we have reduced Jesus' ministry to simply hoping that he will make all the things that we love to do just a little bit better and a little bit more enjoyable. And you need to know for sure that, yes, it's appropriate to ask the Lord to do that, and he wants to do that. But you also need to understand that the realization of the blessings that we have in Christ are all because of the penalty that Jesus suffered for our sin. Therefore, when the judgment of sin comes, we no longer have to fear that. Our identity is a refugee. That's who we are. And I fear we forget this. We are people who look to him that when his judgment comes, he's our refuge. He makes us safe. Church, do not forget this. It's the crux of everything. We are refugees until that time. So, why should we great be grateful to continue? Now, two points. First thing, for us to grow in our confidence, I want us to notice again our great heritage. Our great heritage. You can see throughout this passage that the writer of Hebrews makes a case that following Jesus through the midst of adversity is worthwhile because of something that dates far longer than what we can imagine. The writer makes a case here that I think is absolutely brilliant. And I think it's highly convincing even for us this morning. He takes the time to make the logical case that following Jesus is not some new invention... It's not some new idea. It's not some crazy idea. But rather that trusting the goodness of God as seen in the person of Jesus Christ dates all the way back to the beginning of time. See, for this original Jewish audience, as well for all of us who have been grafted into this faith, the Old Testament patriarch Abraham is hugely relevant to our lives today. As these first century believers would have known, and we will see, that Abraham is the earthly father of all of us who have faith. So it makes good sense this morning. If you're considering quitting Jesus, if you're considering bailing on this faith, then it makes good sense for you to wrestle with who was this Abraham and what became of his family. You really have to take a look at our spiritual ancestry. The life of Abraham illustrates at least one overwhelming fact. That when God makes a promise, he takes that promise very seriously. In the passage that we just read with Fred from Genesis chapter 12, we see that God promised Abraham that he would be a man who would have two things. That he would multiply... And that he would be blessed. And as a result of that, the entire world would be blessed because of God's action in him. 
And if you know the story of Abraham, of course, that seemed ridiculous because he was so old. But then when you read in Genesis chapter 22, you see that this promise becomes fulfilled. The beginning of that fulfillment starts with the son of his, with the birth of his son, Isaac. And now the story begins to unfold. And now Abraham has a family. Multiplication begins to happen. And more so, the promise that his descendants would not simply exist, but that they would be blessed in such a way that the whole world would be impacted. So again, pause here. If you're new to the Bible, if you're a visitor this morning, you have no idea what I'm talking about, you have no idea who Abraham, it begs the question, well, what happened to this guy? If God made this oath, if he confirmed this with a promise that this man Abraham would have a family and it would bless the whole earth, that seems like a pretty big promise. What happened to him? Did it happen? Did anything become of this family? And the writer of Hebrews makes the case that yes, indeed, since it is impossible for God to lie and that God made an oath alongside of a promise, then therefore, yes, he absolutely answered this prayer. So please see this morning. The storyline of the Bible and what unifies it all together is the outworking of these promises and the fruition thereof. With Isaac, then we have the tribes of Israel, then the nation of Israel, and King David, and then gives it away to the prophets, and King David's greater son, Jesus, and the Gospels. And then in Romans chapter 4, Paul says that all those who have faith in Jesus are heirs of Abraham. All the way until today, this promise is still being realized. All the way through the apostles, through church history, until today with countless saints who have carried this message. So here's what you need to see this morning if you are wrestling with abandoning Jesus. That every time someone's heart is converted by the preaching of the gospel, the promise to Abraham is still coming true. The baptism of our children, we'll have one. We haven't had a sacrament in a long time, but we're having a covenant baptism at the second service. It's based on the promises made to Abraham and to his descendants. The church of Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of this promise. So you think of the work of the church, from the preaching of the forgiveness of sins, to countless acts of mercy, to creation of hospitals and schools and music and arts, and the list goes on and on and on. And yes, the church has made a million mistakes and been led by sinful people, but yet the world has been blessed. The entire world has been richly blessed because Jesus declared, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So here's the scenario I offer you this morning. If you no longer believe that Jesus is best for you and you're considering leaving him, please see, you are rejecting thousands of years of promises coming true. Thousands of years of promises being fulfilled. So my prayer for us this week is that in the midst of all the adversity that we face, that we can see today 
that we are part of a huge story that is proven true time after time after time. The reason that we may have hope today in the midst of the craziness of our life and the reason that our hope is laced in confidence is because we have a track record. We have a past. We have a heritage that goes way beyond our individual lives. All the way back to the promise of Abraham. So your life this morning, which may seem very, very small, but you need to know it's not. If your faith is in Christ, you are connected into this huge heritage. Your life is part of a story that Jesus came and died to preserve. Your life is part of a story that God swore would be blessed. Your life is included in the story by which all other stories exist. I beg you to see this morning. Don't give up trusting Jesus. There's way too much evidence of the reality that he is for you and not against you. Don't reject him. Don't insist on making your own way and using your own imagination for life to work. Recognize you're part of a story that's so much bigger than any one of us. But please see this morning, verse 15. Your life is one of faith. And that faith includes perseverance and difficult times. Abraham knew what it meant to wait And patience is hard. And the growth process which the Lord puts us through can be difficult. But that is not a reason to stop trusting him. Rather, it is a reason to be confident of what the Lord is going to do. Friend, I I pray for you this morning. I beg us all to see whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, Jesus is aware. Jesus is involved. He has promised to provide for you. And we have thousands of years of proof. He will not forget you. Do not stop trusting him. It's the first thing we see of growing in our hope. Is see that history is one of faith in our God who will not forget us. He never has. So now, what do we do now? How do our lives actually be affected by this promise today? Look back at verse 19. Let me read this again. We have the sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Let's consider one more time the strength of our Savior. Of all that is true of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that is true of his proclamation to us, what we see here from the writer of Hebrews is that it is meant to result in us a strong faith in him Because he's strong. Not because we are strong, but because the one to whom we place our faith is strong. Notice, our strength has nothing to do with our effort. It has nothing to do with our self-will. No, pride is not existent here. But when Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of this oath, our soul is affected in confidence in him. Notice in verse 19 the description here of hope. Hope is not, in this context, exactly something that that we are hoping to come true. Rather, hope is the person of Jesus. Let this sink into your heart this morning. Hope enters into the inner place. 
Hope is our priest. Hope is Jesus. Jesus is our priest who entered into the presence of God and is with him now and is him. And our faith is in him and by his spirit, he's inside of us. The picture here is strength. Of all the illustrations that could be given, the writer of Hebrews here uses the word anchor. When you hear the word anchor, you think of something that is strong and firm. Something that holds you. Not something that you hold on to, but rather something that grips you. In Jesus' day, the, the coins, the currency had pictures of anchors on them as a constant reminder of those who held on to that were held by one in strength. You see, who we are in Christ, we are strong. We're stable. We recognize the world, yes, is falling apart literally all around us, but not our faith because of whom our faith rests. Since Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise, we are strong in him. This past week, this worked out well for this sermon illustration, uh, friends in our neighborhood last Monday took Lisa and me to Lake Cumberland, where in my 25 years in Kentucky, I'd never been before. Uh, they had a boat and we spent the day with them, and, and it was as awesome as you might imagine. But when we got out to swim... Uh, I asked uh, my friend, our neighbor, uh, he was putting down an anchor, and he said, well, I've got an anchor, but we're about 100 feet deep here. If we drop it, we've got to pull that thing back in, and it's just not worth it because it's so hard to pull in. And of course, I had this sermon in my mind and thought, I've got an illustration. <laughs> you see, even the thought of an anchor comes across to us with the realization of this is strong. And it controls us. The boat doesn't move because the anchor is strong. Our lives can fall apart, but our faith, our strength is in someone who will not fall apart. Friends, this morning, I don't know what's going to happen in our world, but I do know this. Jesus is strong. So when your faith is in him, you are secure. Your faith goes back for generations, and that faith results in hope. God's promises are to make our souls strong. So again this morning, if you're considering throwing in the towel on Jesus as these original, uh, this original audience was, please know you have a long line of saints who have carried the ball for generations and they cry out to you this morning, he is worth it. You have a Savior who has entered into the inner place for you this morning, and he can handle whatever you are going through. So may we grow in confidence in whatever he has planned for us. You know, I, I do really, really like this Thomas Rhett song. It's good, and again, it, it made me cry. But if Thomas Rhett were to ever ask me about it, I think I would tell him, he's not going to do that, but if he did, I would change the refrain, no more, I'm pretty sure he heard. I would rather it be something like, I know he heard. I know he's listening. I know he's at work right now. I know he's good. I know he's changing me. 
I know he'll bring justice against our enemies. I know him and he knows me and he is God. So my faith is in him. He heard. He hears. And he's trustworthy. Let's pray and thank the Lord that indeed it's true. So Father, as we come away from your word this morning, we do long for the day when we will come to your communion table again and be reminded afresh of of tasting of your goodness that, that it is your body and it is your blood that has made our hope real. But until that day comes, Lord Jesus, we we reminded of the fact that our hope in you is real because you have said it's real. Oh, Father, make us people who truly are strong because you are strong. Do this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.